0: Hi everyone as we are fully entrenched in summer here in southern ontario we are bringing you summer reruns for the months of july and august i have picked some of our most viewed podcasts and running them again for you to enjoy either for the first time or maybe again as always you can listen to all past episodes either on your favorite podcast platform including Apple and Spotify, or you can go to my website where you'll find them all there for you as well. We are working on some exciting stuff here at Life Lessons Unlimited, so check our website, lifelessons.ca, or find me on social media at Life Lessons Unlimited or at Butterfly Lessons. I hope you enjoy this week's rerun episode. Hello, all my wonderful listeners. I am thrilled to be back with you again this week. And I have a really amazing guest this week. We've been chatting and honestly, um, she is a wealth of knowledge. You are going to love, love, love what you hear today. Uh, It's Alana McClure. And Alana is a divorced mother of three, ex-traffic controller, which that's really super interesting. Um, turned serial entrepreneur for the last 15 years. Alana has walked the path of abuse, self-sabotage, divorce, imposter syndrome, success, motherhood, self-loathing, self-love, and connected spirituality to get where she is today. Alana coaches high-performing, driven, intelligent women who are sick and tired of struggling and feel there is something missing in their life or maybe going through a major life-altering event. She will show you how to embody a deep sense of personal authority, peace and joy, and help you redefine your future. Alana has, I love this, a PhD from the School of Hard Knocks, (laughs) plus a unique blend of psychology, universal wisdom, and empowerment coaching. Alana can help you move from struggling blocked and exhausted to flowing and joyful I love this so much <laughs> welcome Alana oh thanks so much for having me so fun yeah I, I really resonate with so much of what you say um and and what you stand for and what you're about and I think you know that's why uh I wanted to have this conversation with you and to talk about mm-hmm. a few things. I think, you know, um, we have lots to talk about. Um, but you have such a unique blend of experience. Um, so, before we kind of get into the meat <laughs> of the topic for today, um, yeah. I, I just want to ask you, like, what is it like to be an air traffic controller? I can't imagine <laughs> a more stressful job in the world is that how it felt for you (laughs) well
1: it's really funny um it's not like the natural line of progression when you graduate from university with a psychology degree um Mm -hmm. (laughs) but um it's super interesting and it really um Catered to my need to to use my intelligence and to figure things out, and I see things very spatially. So um, it was a really really interesting job. I mean, if you let yourself get deterred into thinking, okay, there's 300 people on that plane and 100 people on that plane, and you know, like if we're having an issue, then I'll like you can't go there, um, and that's what makes it stressful. I and mean, if you're, you get busy and it does get stressful, but um, but it was super fun.
0: Yeah. And I imagine your psychology degree must have helped you a lot to be able to manage or navigate. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, All of that is involved with something like that. So, so you've done a variety of things in your life. And, you know, our listeners just heard, you know, currently what it is that your mission is and what you are currently really wanting to do in the world. But what do, what do you think was behind um, where you're at now? I know it's a culmination of things, but what has brought you oh, to yeah. this? <laughs> uh, getting lost in the woods,
1: I call it.
2: <laughs> Love it.
1: <laughs> um, it it's a quite interesting. I went to school to become a nurse. I wanted to actually be a neonatal nurse. And um, because I was so crazy, determined, and some say stubborn. Um, I fast-tracked high school and was a credit shy to get into the nursing program. Mm-hmm. So nursing turned into psychology. Mm-hmm. And then it was really interesting. I graduated, I, I'm the first, uh, first in my family, second to graduate university with a degree. And um, I was ridiculously underprepared for graduating. And I was standing there going, okay, so where's the line? Mm
2: -hmm. There's
1: people with a job out here, right? Like I have a degree, I Mm -hmm. get a job. That's how this works. You go to school, you pay your money, you get your degree, you get a job. Where's the job? And I didn't end up with a job. I ended up um, looking for quite a while and ended up getting hired by Dempster's Bread Mm. at 21. So Dempster's um, makes the production plant that I got hired at, Makes the sun-made raisin bread and the um, Texas toast and stuff like that. And so I was hired, honestly, as a grand social experiment. They hired me. I was 21, white, 100 pounds, if that, with my steel-toed boots on. And um, the other guy that they hired was, I believe, he was uh, Middle Eastern, um, 22, and really small stature. And I'm telling you all this because it, I know it was a grand social experiment. Mm. I was given a hundred employees. Uh, yes. I had a staff. I had a work crew. The work crew was a hundred men, almost all Lebanese. And at that time, this was ages and ages ago, at that time, there was a huge discord in the company about having how staff related to um authority figures and things like that, and so they decided that they would hire a psychology majors to run their production line. Yes. Wow. right. So, the, so I That's had zero crazy. production experience. I wasn't a baker, I didn't have any, so they hired specifically psychology majors to see if they could improve morale and relationships to authority and all this sort of stuff. So that was quite quite unique. Um, yeah, especially and it then. took me.
0: Like what year would that have been? Uh, 95. Wow, that's (laughs) incredible. I've never heard of such a thing. It was totally like
1: out of the field. And I really credit Dempsters for trying something so different and seeing how they could um, influence structures and have a more productive workforce. Um, So that that was great. And it didn't necessarily work out. And I found myself in fine dining um, a little while after that and fine dining gave me, um, a whole different experience. So I went from being very, very blue collar, um, and, you know, steel-toed boots, a hard hat, bakery whites, like those kinds of things into this world where Gucci and and Armani were commonplace. And, Mm -hmm. um, how people related and seeing the transition for that. And as a psych major, I'm always like, wow, that's really interesting. Oh, that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and floating around and seeing what was available, actually put a fur in my head type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and in I think it was 98, maybe 99 around there. I um, I decided to become a big sister. Um, so I was, like, I have enough time and I love children and there's so many kids in the world that need love and attention. I can be a big sister. And I was a big sister for quite a while. Um, but what it had me create was this project called dinner for dreams, um, which is in the midst of being reincarnated. Um, and it's a project that is, um, spurred on by that path of being very blue collar and being exposed to that level and then jumping into fine dining and seeing what was available. And so I took um, I took ten pairs, big girl, big sister little sister pairs, and um, took them and shopping. and I know this sounds a little materialistic, but follow follow me. I took them shopping into stores that they were their families or nuclear families wouldn't be able to afford to go into. And then I took them to a fine dining restaurant. And then I had um, a model and a lawyer and a pre med student, I think she was pre, um, speak about where they came from and how they created their dreams. Wow. And this was all based off of the fact that I realized when I started working in fine dining that I had no clue about the wealth and prosperity that was available in the world. Mm. I really had no idea Mm -hmm. like I saw movies and you see big yachts on movies and you see fancy clothes and you see people going but it seems like so it's such a fairy tale such a dream world such a unattainable like though that stuff doesn't exist or it's not for Mm -hmm. me or whatever and I wanted to have an opportunity to show these girls that there is a path that if you can put it in your consciousness, if you can put it in your dreams. And so we all created journals and all this sort of stuff so that they started to dream about what they want, might want to bring into their world instead of feeling closed in, in the box that they lived
0: in. Wow, I um, love that. That is really <laughs> a fantastic, do you know if that program still exists?
1: <laughs> I no, I created it.
0: it. Yeah. But yeah, they, so didn't, for- they didn't carry it on?
1: Um, it was not affiliated with Big Sisters. It was totally all oh, on my was, own. So I, oh oh. I, I got permission from Big Sisters to connect with ten other right. matches. Oh, okay, got so it, it was a it, program right. that I used with them. And um, so, where I, we, the Royal We, which is me, um, <laughs> are in the process of of um, reinventing that and revamping that in a modern way that applies now, especially awesome. after the
0: pandemic. Yeah. Um, Cause I think yes. <laughs> so many girls, you know, boys need this kind of thing as well, but girls, especially, I think when you grow up in that box, that's all, you yeah. know, that's all you see that obviously, you know, creates those neurological, you know, right. systems and patterns um, that have us believing that this is all there is. What I know is all yeah. there is. Right.
1: Um, Yes. And what we're told, and if you, I'm like the Disneyfication of our culture, um, especially the Western culture um, is quite interesting because there are a lot of rags to riches stories in there. Cinderella has been around for millennia, like a really, really long time. um, And all those fables that have been rags to riches kind of thing, but Mm -hmm. Disney made it commonplace. And how many times have you heard? Oh, now I'm going to date myself. How many times did the VHS tape burn out? Like we watched oh. it so many times that it was blank, <laughs> yeah, in that, yeah. right? How yeah. many times did you put that for your kids? So so it's just on repeat in their head and that's what they're known. So as when you can expose people to different circumstances, yeah. different options and different yeah. cultures and different ways of thinking, I think
0: it just um, makes full yeah, new
1: opportunities.
0: Absolutely. But I think the difference in the way you did it and having people see people that they... Because, you know, yeah, I get the whole Disney thing. Yeah. Um, even movies, you know, when you get older, right? The rom-com. Yeah. The like, right. absolutely. And But it still feels like, well, that's not me. That's never going to happen. You wish it. You know, that's what your desire is, is to yeah. have that happen to you. Yeah. But you can't really relate to it. And I think, right. you know, when you bring in people who they go listen that I was you (laughs) I was you yeah and this is the path I had to take because I think the other missing piece with you know obviously like the the media um yeah is that nobody shows you how like you see it but it's still very abstract so it's Mm -hmm. like what? how would I ever make that happen in my life I mean you grow up in poverty and you know you're you're mother or your parents are barely able to get food together for the family yeah. how can that child go wow i can i can go to school and i could maybe get some education so that yes. i could do this or i can go to modeling you know get it in a well, modeling there's not the that yeah thing.
1: that's part of it but the the also the other part of it is that you don't even know that you can desire such things.
0: Wow, that's an important. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So when
1: like you know there's a there's a part like you you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. You can't desire something or want something if you don't know that it's available. Right. So those like yeah, just the whole concept was, um, was so much fun.
0: So yeah. Yeah. Like so keep again. going. This is like you have yeah. had so far and I know we're still in your <laughs> young, young Oh young yeah. Years. I haven't had a baby yet. Um, you had <laughs> a very interesting path. So then what yeah. happened after you? Well, so
1: after that I had decided, and honestly, like I'm such a, I've always wanted children. I've always thought of um, every, my value system, my, my reason for choosing specific careers, if you will, has always been, will my family fit into this? What will my family look like? And mm-hmm. fine dining kind of was an accident that I was very, very good at. And I love, like, I almost became Linnea. I almost went to Paris and did all that sort of stuff. But the reason I didn't was because that lifestyle doesn't fit with the lifestyle that I saw that I valued for my family. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong, there are plenty of family restaurants and family um, people who have like high profile, fine dining careers, but it wasn't something that I saw that fit for me. Right. Um, and I was actually dating a, a, an air traffic controller at the time. And he says, well, you're gonna have to figure out what you wanna do. In the meantime, why don't you just go write the test? And uh, and I said, okay, I'll go write the test. What do I study? And he's like, well, you can't study for it because it's tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: my gosh! Wow.
1: <laughs> and it, it's proctored by KPMG, and you know, at the time, I think there was 300 other people applying for the positions, and you apply for the positions across the country, and this was downtown Toronto, and you go and you do the testing, and it's five or six hours of various aptitude tests you do a math test you do a spatial acuity test you do a listening test you do a psychological evaluation all back to back to back and your scores are generated as you proceed through and then as you're leaving they tell you what you qualify for if you qualify for anything and the lady looks at my score and now you have to keep in mind like and i'm not bragging here but i did the test accidentally like not accidentally but i'm like oh tomorrow oh okay i'll go do it tomorrow and because they're aptitude tests, honestly, you can't study for them. But the lady looks at me, she's like, oh, yeah, you have one of the highest scores. What job do you want? And-, <laughs> no. wow. and I was like, I don't know which one pays the most. What do you do here? Which ones are available? I don't even know what jobs are available. What should I do? And She's like, oh, IFR, uh, air traffic controller I was like, okay, I'll go to school for that. Wow. and then within like a month i was packed and leaving and went to school and at the time you had to move into the school it was um complete it was in cornwall you moved into this facility and you eat sleep breathe study air traffic control 24 7 you're practicing you're doing it you're learning with like, all of this sort of stuff and in that environment it's a sudden death environment yeah so if you fail an exam you're out yeah so they don't, at, like they used to pay you as an employee to go to the school. They stopped doing that because the, the success rate is so low. You didn't mm-hmm. have to actually pay a tuition to go to the school because it's a private yeah. not-for-profit organization, mm-hmm. but you do have to kind of pay your own way. Um, I had to, I actually had just bought a new car and I had to cash in my RSPs and turn them into a lira so I could afford to still make my car payments while I was being unpaid to learn this
0: new. Oh, Wow.
1: Yeah. So I was like, I, yes, yes, I had RSPs by the time I was like 22 or something like that, but I had to use them. Heard of, Yeah. So, which was a good decision. Don't get me wrong. So anyway, I failed. I got right to the last exam. Yep. I got right to the very last exam and it's procedural control and it is very stressful and very, very difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I failed. And wow. the guy's like, I don't know what to do with you because you've done so well and you've done really, really, really well up until this point, but you failed. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're frozen. I, I ended up training as a VFR controller and pass out. And are you still
0: frozen or am I frozen? Sorry, yeah, you you were frozen for a bit Um, so you were (laughs) at a really exciting point. So maybe we'll just redo that part a little bit. It was just when you were saying you failed and the, Said to you, you were doing uh, so well yet you failed. And so we want to know what happened.
1: (laughs) So, so they, yeah. So they let me train as a VFR controller, which means you work in the, um, the control towers instead of the radar rooms and you, you would Uh. do a different kind of control, more visual out the window looking at the planes as opposed to 100% relying on radar. It is, for people uh, who know air traffic control, it is more yeah. complicated than that, but that's yeah. like the down version. And that's where I ended up working at uh, Billy
0: Bishop uh, Airport. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, so
1: like all of that stuff. Um, yeah, so that's how I got there. Wow. Um, and then met my husband, my soon to be husband through that program. Um, and so he was also uh, an
0: air traffic controller he
1: was also an air traffic controller yeah Um, and uh, yeah we ended up we were together for
0: almost 20 years and then so and then you had some children in there I
1: had so like truth be told the whole dirty laundry of the story is that um, we were long distance dating And um, he was living in Whitehorse, Yukon, and I was living in Toronto. We're trying to work with the union to get us both in the same region. And there's union rules and moving rules and all this sort of stuff. And um, I ended up pregnant um, and took a leave of absence, took a maternity leave and a parental leave and went out and lived in Whitehorse for almost three years.
0: Whoa. Yeah.
1: Which if anybody ever has the opportunity to live north of 60, you should take it for a little while and go experience 24
0: yeah. well, seven. One of my best friends, and- her daughter uh, lives up there with her uh, wife and they yeah. have two children now. So they travel up there quite a bit. And my gosh, the, the pictures are spectacular. Yeah. I mean, just, you know, it's, it's not easy living, <laughs> but, but no. they love it. They love yeah. it. Her daughter Some and her people, partner yeah. just love it and said they don't ever want to leave.
1: Yeah. So
0: yeah, I get it.
1: Well, I moved up there and my ex-husband was, what can I do to get you to stay? Because I love it here. Mm. And I was like, no, I don't love it here.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> I yeah, want to go I, back. I don't
0: know all- that I would love it. Either. <laughs>
1: like, I like to go to the theater every once in a while.
0: You know what yeah. I like?
1: I like the availability of the theater. I don't have to go every week, <laughs> Yeah. but I like to go if I want to go, Yeah. yeah. right? And I don't want to fly to get there. Yeah. Um, and it's a different way of lifestyle that people are so, so beautiful people, really, really like salt to the earth, super mm-hmm. nice. But my mm-hmm. family was here. I wanted yeah. to raise my kids near my family. And honestly, I think that that was the beginning of a great divide in our relationship, Um, he, um, what do you call compromise? (laughs) Um, He compromised so much, I think, moving back here Mm -hmm. that I don't think he ever, I think he always resented me for it. Mm -hmm. And even though it was his decision and even though his family lived here and I could be putting words in his mouth, but I honestly believe that that was kind of a foundational issue with us. was he really wanted to be there and like you said like it calls to your friends and Mm -hmm. you just find your place and I think that that was his place and then he came here
0: yeah yeah Yeah. and so was it early on then that um the relationship started to have some like major ripples let's say
1: we knew that we were different people he Mm -hmm. loves camping and I would go camping
0: yeah i hear that i did that for a lot of years uh, only for my children and my husband because right
1: it's not really my love (laughs) it's not my love and Mm -hmm. i compromised like later on in our relationship when my kids were like uh preschoolers that type of thing we ended up buying a an rv and like, I was like, if you're, if I, we're still doing the camping thing, we're still this many years doing the, ca- okay, I need a washroom. And like, that was me, <laughs> whereas, <laughs> whereas he's totally fine sleeping on the river with a gun under his pillow, hoping that there's no grizzly bear coming, oh, right? No. And so yeah. you knew that that was a major difference. And sometimes I think what happens in a lot of relationships is um, these differences exist. but, and I don't want to mess up saying this, I'm probably going to, but you don't have the maturity or the wisdom um, or even the education to be able to let the other person be who they are. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And he was resentful that I didn't like what he liked. Right. Right. And I did my best to put my best face forward, you know, kind of, but he and everybody else in the world around me knew that I didn't want to be camping, like type thing. And I'm okay with it for a few hours, like don't get me wrong. And sometimes I do miss it and I miss the fun of it. But um, I think that that lack of maturity and that lack of wisdom plagues a lot of relationships where you aren't like, if you want to go camping, that's great. You can go camping. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. But the
0: other person looks at it like, but you're supposed to want to come with me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So what it's that thing of, we want to change people (laughs) to be like us. Right. Like for some people that's really, you know, or uh, what I see a lot of, you know, in the relationship counseling that I do is, you know, but I thought if we lived together and he saw how much I love doing this, this and this, he would yeah. want to do that because he loves me just because he loves me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's like, no, it doesn't work that way.
1: So here's the, here's the little, little piece that I learned along the way. Um, if you're going to tell someone that you're going to do something with them. So let's say my ex was going to tell me he's going to go to the theater with me. You don't go to the theater and complain the whole night that you'd yeah. rather be somewhere else.
2: Yes.
1: Like I should not have gone camping and complained that we were camping. Yeah. E- yes. <laughs> like, I and that. I know it's yeah. really, really silly and really, really little things, but it's almost like. We want the other person to know how much we're suffering and how much we're giving up of ourselves and all this big ego boost, like stroke my ego because I'm doing something for you. Well, good for you. Like, that's what a good partner does. And you're either going to be supportive or they're going to do it on their own. And both Mm -hmm. options have to be okay
0: hmm. Well, now, is it what a good partner does, though, that if it's not genuine and it's not? Oh, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, no, yeah. you can't be like, that's what the be. thought process is, is that, oh, I need to do this because that's what a good partner does. Mm.
1: But it's always flavored. So if you take the flavor of I'm going to tell him how good of a person I am by showing how upset I am by doing mm. something for him. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like you're, absolutely. That's like that's the ego going, no, look at me. I hate this so,
0: so much and I'm doing it for you. You better love me. Wasn't right? that the martyr? In- that's the martyr. Yes. Yeah. Right. Right. So <laughs> instead of. A lot of us, you know, have a little more oh, martyr, I think maybe than others. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're going to do it for them, mm-hmm. then go do it for them and do it with them. So you mm-hmm. like. Uh, and if it's not something that you can do, like my current partner loves Formula One mm. and the sound of those cars, I don't know, hit hits some nerve in my brain. <laughs> so I'm like, I'll go to the race with you, but I'm going to wear earplugs.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, that's what I was going to say. You can do, you know, cause it, that's what a relationship is, is about that yeah. win-win compromise, right? You can't always do just what you like. Um, yeah. and, and I think it's also important for each person to have their own interests and for you yeah. to be okay with saying, that's great. Go ahead. You know, yeah, there I'm going to <laughs> go do this instead. And I, you know, maybe after yeah. 44 years of marriage, I can say this with, very high confidence um, in that it's like I have no issues with him doing his thing however in a a good relationship you also want to have those things you do together right yes and sometimes it's going to be things you both enjoy right and sometimes it's going to be things where you're not enjoying so much but I think a really good point that you're making is How can I go and do this thing that I know he loves and he, you know, would like me to at least experience it um, in a way that I can get the greatest enjoyment out of it, or even a little bit of enjoyment out of it. So for you, you know, using the formula, uh, one um, example is like, I'm going to go, I'll wear earplugs. Um, but I can still see the cars, and I, you yeah. know, and it is exciting. I love, I love, I don't like the noise either, but I like to watch it. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, well, that's why it's nice it, to watch it on TV because I can turn the volume way right down, right? And just see The cars going, <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, and this is this is kind of about taming your own narcissist, and everybody, like, I know that's a buzzword, but everybody has a bit of narcissism in yes. them, everybody has like this ego. That wants to poke out. And I think when you're able to, and I love the phrase taming your narcissist, when mm-hmm. you are able to get your joy from them being joyful. Yes. Yeah. That is that is a signature. Like you can look at your partner and be happy simply because they're happy. And seems second nature for women, especially to be able to do this with their children.
0: I was just going to say that. See, we're on the right. same wavelength because I'm like, don't we all do that with our, ch- those of us that have children, yeah. or yeah. even if you have children in your life, you don't need to be a mother or a father to do yeah. this. Yeah. I mean, I watch my son, who my middle son who doesn't have children and he, the things that he does with his nephews,
1: yeah. right? Yeah. Like,
0: and I just see the joy that he gets, you know, yeah. with. Watching them or doing something with them that is bringing them great joy. So that is a yeah. great place to go. And and you know, so you had children, and it was this one yeah. of the realizations for you is that you're like, well, I do this stuff with my children.
1: No, oh God, no, I didn't learn this till after my divorce. Okay. <laughs> um, and it's not that I didn't know it. It's it's about being able to conceptualize it, being able to talk through it, being able to um, to, to try it on and use it in that situation. Right. And quite often I think um, there's a lot of us who don't, I think like what we were talking about, don't stop to think about what you're thinking.
2: Mm-hmm. Don't yeah.
1: stop to, you're so right. And you're so, um, you're attached to being hurt mm-hmm. or, um and those things i think perpetuate or block you rather block is a better word block you from being able to um consciously see all the uh, moving parts
2: yes
1: it. and have you if you've grown up in a situation where you've been modeled good behavior good relationship skills healthy relationship skills then those kinds of behaviors become second nature. And you don't think about
0: those either. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, 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 for sure. So at what point then in your marriage did you realize this is not going to work and I, we need to end this?
1: Um, there was, you know, there's always little, little inklings of ideas that Mm -hmm. pop up for many many years and um you know conversations with people saying you lost you explain what's going on and you're trying to get resources and you're trying to get not necessarily validation but at least um a conversation going um and people saying you know you don't have to stay There's nothing saying you have to say. Mm -hmm. And then in the back of your head, you're like, yes, but I said that, you know, this was it. I said that there was only going to be one marriage. I said that there was only going to be, um, and what else can we do, but still, um, I mix, I mix with different recollections. It's funny because I think um modern dating even dating you know as far as the 50s and 60s um really teaches you it's like pre divorce it's like divorce training because mm-hmm. you serial date people <clears throat> pardon me you date people and then you learn how to break up with them you date somebody else and you learn how to break up with them and in a marriage that you do have a, bit, a bigger commitment you do have children you do have ties that keep you bound together for a longer period of time but in the end i think you've already trained yourself that there's going to be a breakup, and to some extent, in some ways, yeah. Um, um, so basically, what it came down to for me is that, and this is this is um, completely real. <laughs> I realized, <Okay>. yeah. <laughs> I realized that he didn't want to be with me. Mm. Mm. And you talk about the only person in your world that you can change is you. You can influence your children. You can educate them. You can try and educate other people. Um, But I realized that I was holding... Him or trying to hold him in a relationship that he didn't want to be in,
2: mm.
1: and backing away. And it took me hours and hours over a few days after a specific incident of uh, like just journaling and journaling and journaling and whatever came out and whatever came out, and and that's what I came to in the end is that I was holding on so tight. To this relationship that I wanted to be a specific way and I wanted it to look a specific way. And I and I wanted the dream and I wanted like the retirement and the like the disnified world, even though like we had, like even though I was an entrepreneur and he was in air traffic control, and there was nothing that was like nine to five about our lives. I I I still wanted that and realized that I had to understand that he didn't want that with me.
0: And when you say with me, here's what comes up for me. Cause this, yeah, you know, this kind of before is it's the, you that he wanted you to be. Yes. Yeah. yeah he it wasn't he the also real wanted you to be somebody else. Yes, yeah. of course. Yeah. And I think that is kind of the facade that so many live with even in you know I mean I talk to people who are still in relationship maybe 40 50 years and they're like it's not a good relationship like we just we just fight all the time we don't get it like, all along we don't yeah. have anything in common and it's like well why are you still there and it's yeah. like well, what else am I gonna do like they don't it kind of yeah. goes back to you know when we were talking about the big sisters and you know yeah, it's yeah. about having that identity that has been ingrained in you. And, and then what happens, I think, and maybe this is what was happening for you is you're shoving down your real self, like your real desires, your real needs to fit the mold. First of all, of what society tells us, Oh, this is what a good wife does. This is what you, you know, a good marriage looks like. And so then you are constantly denying yourself, Mm. right? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to rewind
1: a little bit because for several years prior to that decision, um, I had started working on myself and there is a catchy little phrase that, um, you know, an MLM company is the fast track to self-development. And I think it's really true given some companies, not all of them, but the self-development that I had started to do two to three years prior to that decision was uh, again, another stepping stone for me um, becoming myself or letting myself, letting, like you were talking about, letting your true self be open. Um, And in that time period, I think it amplified our differences and me working on myself. um, And I don't want to put words in my mouth, but my assumption is, is that it showed him a version of me that he liked even less.
0: Yes. That is so significant. Listeners, I want you to really hear that. That is so significant, is that when we realize that the people, and it could be friendships, it doesn't necessarily have to be a a romantic relationship or a marriage. When we realize that the people who we're with does not like this version of me, and maybe because this is the real version of me, so that must mean they wouldn't have liked me all along. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, that is really important for people to understand
1: not only understand
0: so and this
1: is this is where denial comes in Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and this is where our ancestral thinking and this thing that this bit about belonging and this bit about creating Uh your family and this bit about so you can't stomach rejection most of us can't Uh I mean there's other disorders that have you like acute Uh um a rejection disorder whatever it's called Um, but for most of us, rejection is is really, really difficult to take. And to be able to stand there and go, wow, this person that I have said that I've loved for so long, doesn't like who I actually am. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And there's three major components in that. One is the realization. One is that You still can have love for someone who doesn't like you. Mm -hmm. They can still love you and not like you.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And then it has to be okay that that's what is. Yeah. And I think that that's where a lot of people get stuck. Yeah. It doesn't doesn't fit. It
0: shouldn't be okay. You should Mm -hmm. like me. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Say you love me. You should like me. Yeah.
0: Yeah, because it it then feels like a judgment, right? Of it it totally is a judgment. Yeah. It totally is a judgment of who you are. And this is why we don't like it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But but that's the thing, like, man, we're judgy all the time. I'm judgy about my hair and I had to turn my video off so I don't see myself. And I'm judgy about my curtains and I'm, you know, judgy about the way the guy parked in the Walmart parking lot. Like. We, yeah, yeah. We have to, like we're judgy all the time absolutely but you don't want to think about somebody judging you right and then the reality right. is is it, that the people you are closest to are probably judging you the most often yeah it's just what we do we just evaluate right and yeah call, call it judgy call it whatever you want but you always yeah. do that yeah um So I think that that was, that was a major turning point for me was being okay with the fact that I was forcing like a round peg in a square hole. Like you can't, it's not going to fit. It's really not going to fit. And the more, and part of what happened those years is I, and this sounds a little braggy, but it's not really, I had several people come up to me and say, wow, like, you look amazing, what are you doing? Or, wow, I want to be just like you. Never in my life would I imagine that somebody would say that to me, but other people were seeing my truer version of myself. And I'll, mm. I'll put air quotes around that because it, you're, never, you're never done, you're never finished, yeah. you don't cook, um, <laughs> right? Like, no time for
0: ding. okay. Yeah, She's ready. Done now. Um, <laughs> no, I always say that too. And say like, I always say to people, I'm a work in progress till the day I die, you know, because well, you're always, yes, if you allow yourself, you can always be growing and, you know, um, cha- changing from a yes. standpoint of what am I doing now that makes me yes. feel good that I enjoy. Right.
1: Yes. And it's, it's the law of nature I don't know why like I don't know all the laws but basically it's it's if you don't grow you die mm-hmm. you cannot mm-hmm. you cannot plateau there's nothing in this world that exists that is not either growing or decaying right you are in one state or the other and it and you can look at your mental state like that. You can look at your emotional state like that. You can look at your relationships like that. You're growing or you're decaying. And it's always that way. Mm-hmm. Maybe the law of duality is a better law to think of in that
0: respect. Um, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so amazing. So I'm watching the time going, oh, there's so many things that I want to talk a, about yeah, with you. Okay. But, um so once you got out of that relationship and realized that you could really blossom, maybe yeah. to your being um, yeah. a lot more out of the relationship, um, yeah. what was the transition like for you?
1: Um, the Facebook version of me did <laughs> amazing. she was on fire. She like was kicking it at three businesses. She, um, was the life of not the life of the party, but I like super, super busy meeting new people, super happy, super. And, um, that was really great. Um, but there was this poison of grief Mm. that I never addressed. Mm. and in the quiet and in the dark and in the moments between being busy and being a mom and having work, you know, 12 hours a day or whatever it happened to be, um, there was, um, a very, um, distinct aversion to even recognizing the depth of grief that mm. I felt, mm. and, um, you know, you, <laughs> it's funny, there's all these memes about, like, I don't know if you've ever seen these memes about the the mom, like, pre-mother, and you have a little high heel, and then you become a mom, and you're wearing sneakers, and then, you know, and then you're divorced, and you have the stilettos, yeah. right, and <laughs> I, I don't know if you ever see that, yeah, but it's true, because you you feel this sorrow and this grief, um, for an event that is kind of commonplace now. Mm -hmm. And it was in some cases, your own decision and, or your own realization or whatever. Um, and I think a lot of times we don't recognize that we're grieving and we don't give ourselves permission to grieve because you think, oh, well, what am I grieving for? It was a really bad relationship. There was this thing that happened and this thing that happened and I hated this and I didn't love this. And what in the world would I have to grieve about? And that's like one mindset. And at the same time, you, you have to realize there was this whole, I don't know whether you want to call it dream or fantasy or you know, future that you had Mm -hmm. made up in your mind (laughs) Um, never existed, but you made it up that it was going to exist and giving up that aspect, you have to give weight to that. And you have to give presence to that and allow that to move through you, move through you, through you, stay with you. And so,
0: yes.
1: In life absolutely denial.
0: yeah because here's the thing is I actually it will someday happen um had started working on a workshop around grief um yeah. and because what I noticed in doing grief work that I've done um with people it was always the future that they were grief, the future they were not going to have and so I yeah. had it was grieving the future that was yeah. So because when you think whether it's loss through death or loss through divorce or breaking up with somebody or a loss of a job or loss of yeah. anything let's think about this what you are really grieving and feeling pain around was that future that you had envisioned yourself so you saw yourself yeah. with this person celebrating birthdays going yeah. on vacation you know yeah. all of that stuff right in, that's in the
1: way, let me bracket in the yeah. middle of that, in the way that you wanted, not yeah. necessarily it's, in the way that they wanted, in the way no, that you wanted, exactly. your fantasy.
0: This yeah. is your dream. This is your yeah. vision, your future vision, right? Yeah. Um, and then when that ends, right? And sometimes it can end very abruptly. Sometimes, yeah. I mean, you did some processing before you even ended your marriage, um and then continue to do processing around it about what it was that you were missing what what the grief was that you hadn't really gone through let it go through you you know I love yeah it
1: took me it took me three years to realize I was even grieving yeah oh yeah
0: well that happens for a lot of us
1: (laughs) right like I different things yep I get
0: it I
1: get it. Because like I was able to move on. I was able to buy my own house. I was able to keep the businesses going. I was able to find joy in another partnership. I was able all of those things. And yet this and this poison was
0: unattended. And continuing to poison you. Yes. In subtle ways that you weren't fully aware of.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And you, I think you talk to a a lot of divorced people, they'll tell you that they went crazy for a little bit Uh Um, and crazy, like meaning behaving, not like themselves Uh in whatever way, whether it's sleeping for extra hours, whether it's drinking more, whether it's partying more, whether it's dating more, whether it's not Uh dating more, whether it's staying in your home too long, like all of those things. That's Absolutely. my that when I say when you go crazy, I mean like you have this. I think grief induced set of behaviors mm-hmm. that um, will call you to do things to not look at
0: that and not realizing that it is a grief induced behavior. Yes, like you're just like. Yes, I, well, and, and because- really, what it is, I think, at the end of the day, is that running. Like you're just running, running. You're trying to stay ahead of your feelings, right? So let me do all these things. Yeah, numbing out. Or numbing them
1: or denying them or filling that space with, you know, whatever you want to you whatever you want to fill it with. But there's also this part in the beginning, and this is, you know, kind of will circle me around to what I wanted people to understand, um, that you don't feel that you have any right to grieve. Mm-hmm. That why should you grieve? Like, okay, yes, I understand there are some marriages, and this doesn't. I'm talking generalities, right? There are some marriages that end in really horrendous situations, um, shocking. Like, oh my gosh, you don't, I, you're not who I thought. You're really, really not who I thought you were behaving. Who, what I thought, you know, like those. And the grief hits you, and you understand that it's grief. Mm-hmm. But in a lot of the situations where you're in a way relieved at the same time as you're grieving you don't you're not allowed to feel that sorrow you're not you know like yes I'm I'm," right so
0: I know I'm not doing a very good job at articulating it but no you are because it's like society supports that what you're saying right that divorce yep. isn't and it is a, and is a good thing in the long run for many people that they got yeah. out of these relationships whether you know it was you know abusive or whether it was that you felt you couldn't be who you really are whatever the reasons are however yeah you think about it in society now more than ever it's like first of all you know because the r- divorce rate is so high it has become yeah. normalized to a great degree right yeah. it's almost yeah. like it's almost like people like me who've been married 44 years are becoming the rarity and people will say like oh my gosh i don't know anybody else who's ever been so then yeah. i start to think oh, my God, oh am i the abnormal one now <laughs> like right that's become like that's so degree. abnormal <laughs> yeah and also though like there are divorce parties there are celebration yeah. cards there are, so it's all about the divorce being a good thing and very little about the grieving process that must happen. Yeah. Because it is an ending, right? Yeah. It is a, um, it's a trauma, right? That a lot of people don't recognize as being a trauma. Yeah. So I think that, like, I'm watching the time here, because I know you've got to go, but it's like, wow, we could really, really, really go on about this. Um, so if I, I were to say, bringing that up.
1: Thanks. Yeah. And if I were to say one thing, people always ask me, and I have a little divorce group, you know, Chad, and um, what the number one thing that you should do when you're separated or when you first separate is that I think you need to find um, two people. One is a divorce coach,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and two is either a personal coach or a personal therapist um, that really understands divorce and separation, mm-hmm. um, two things that I grossly underestimated, mm-hmm. not only because I'm so like, Oh, I have a degree in psychology and I have specialized and I know training and I, you know, have taught self-expression and leadership programs and I have right. Mm-hmm. You can't see your own, the own icing that you put on the cake from the inside. Like you just, you just can't. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: and had I had had I had that coaching and that therapy um, in the beginning, and had I said it it is something worth investing in, it wouldn't have taken me three years to understand mm. some of the things that I was doing. Um, the other thing is that divorce and the process and the details and the little bits and pieces that go with divorce and separation, whether you're using a mediator, a lawyer, uh, whatever it happens to be
2: mm-hmm.
1: in some cases. And in my case was so overwhelming. There was so much negativity being poured into me from various other sources. So many things that I had to sort through and like, okay, we'll take out that opinion and we'll take out that opinion. and We'll take yeah. out that opinion and find out like what's really being said here. Um, mm-hmm. Your family, your family and friends can't do that for you because the emotional burden on them is too much. Okay. And what happens is that you don't look at the details that are good for you. And the longer your separation process takes, the more excruciating, the more exhausting, the more taxing it is on you. Um, and what a lot of women do is give up
2: yeah and i
1: don't mean entirely give up but you give up okay fine i don't really need alimony i'm fine i'm a big girl i don't need it or fine if you want the kids every christmas fine just stop fighting just like take them every christmas
0: so what because you're exhausted you're you're exhausted exhausted with the process yes
1: and you know like i personally lived in the house with my ex um from November to August Mm.
2: separated
1: Mm. with the three kids in the same Mm. house. Um, Constant territory battles. No, that's Uh. my space. No, that's your space. No, you have the kids. No, I have the kids. Uh. Um, And extreme contention, Um, extreme avoidance. And so where what could have been so different ended up amplifying animosities. Um, and I think in hindsight, a divorce coach would have been able to say, okay, this is your next step.
2: Okay. Mm -hmm.
1: So I'll tell you, I think you've heard this story before. Um, mid separation, this was probably February, no, March, March ish. Um, and he had closed me out of all the bank accounts. Um, and I only had the money from my businesses, but I found myself in an emotional and mental state at that time that I was completely unable to attend to any clients. I had, I had enough resources to manage my children and to make sure that they were happy and they got to their activities, um, but didn't have anything else beyond that. Um, and so I had no money. And um, it was very um, anxiety-inducing, <laughs> yes.
2: very hey, depressing to
1: say the least. I'm sure. And then um, my wallet was stolen out of my uh. vehicle from my driveway. Oh. Uh. And what would have been under normal circumstances? Oh my God! So annoying! I have to go get everything. Yeah. And I have to figure out and whatever, whatever was like the straw that broke the camel's back yeah and found myself like on the floor in my bedroom against the door so that no one could come in and I Mm. just got to that point where I was like if I can feel the floor and I'm talking to myself I'm like if you can feel the floor you're still alive if you can feel the floor Mm. you can feel, feel the carpet feel the carpet feel the floor you're okay you're gonna be okay. And, um, you know, hearing spirit in that moment and, um, really, really like being broken. Mm -hmm. And I think that had I had those structures from day one, instead of had I thought of a parenting plan and separating the finances and all those things, Mm -hmm. had I, contacted a therapist a coach like you like me um and then got a divorce uh coach who could walk you through because by the way your lawyer is not going to walk you through your divorce
0: um um, i used to work for those lawyers so i know that
1: system all too well yeah Mm -hmm. i wouldn't have had that moment Mm -hmm. of complete like i don't even know What I'm, I don't even know if I can look up. I don't even know if I can breathe. I honestly don't think that I would have had to endure that level of trauma Uh, if I'd had support. Wow. So that's kind of what I wanted, you know, your listeners to hear is that even people with our specialties, with our training, and I'm telling you, like, I have 22 years of training. And education in this kind of world, mm-hmm. accidentally, because obviously you saw my mm-hmm. path before. I didn't go out mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. do that. Um, we can't see our storm. No, we can't see. We can see. We can do this. We're tough. We're moms. We got this. Like we can see that far, but we can't see the storm, and what we can offer people is the ability to um, have that release valve, have that okay, let's think about this. Let's talk about this. Let's work through this in a healthy and professional manner. That isn't your girlfriend
2: mm-hmm.
1: over a bottle of wine. That isn't your mom. That isn't your brother. Like mm-hmm. those kinds of things, they all want the best for you, but they have their own version of you.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so and they're so, not equipped. I always say to people, have, no. your, your mom is not equipped. She's not trained to help you. She's got the emotional attachment, which is, she just wants you to be happy. Exactly. And she's going to side with you, of course. And, and, you know, say all the things that have you feeling like, see, I'm right. I'm right. I'm right. I'm right. Right. Yeah. But that's not what you need when you're in, I kind of look at it, I love that you use the, the word storm. And, and it's kind of like when we're going in it, when we're through, like in the middle of it, we are literally in the middle, we're in the eye of the storm. Yeah, yeah. Right. So we're here. We're just like, okay, let me just get through this, you know, let me stay yeah. here because it feels kind of safe here. Right. Because then the if storm, I block all of this out, it's all quiet yes. right here. But meanwhile, and then I can take a step you is this massive storm going, going, going. Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh, we have to stop. I don't want to stop, but we have <laughs> to because I know you've got stuff to do. And um, so I, I really want you to give our listeners um, you know, how they can reach out to you, because I mean mm-hmm. I think you would be an amazing resource. Um, mm-hmm. and I know that you are doing a lot of work around helping women and empowering women or helping mm-hmm. them to be empowered. Um, so how can people find you?
1: Um, you can just Google me, Alana <laughs> McClure, M-C-C-L-U-R-E. Um, and you know, you might find my photography website, which I like glazed over the fact that I was a photographer for 15 years and whatever. Um, but, um, so my other my new empowerment website is alana mcclore.com um you can call me you could text me um i'm pretty much all over the place like and you're on all you the might, socials
0: yeah
1: i'm on all the socials yeah. i like there's i have a youtube channel but it probably only has like tv features and interviews and things like
0: that on it okay. um, people would i'm sure so. love to see more of you Um, this has really been amazing. And I know I've said this with other guests, but I really do mean it. Um, I do, I want to have you back because we, there were so many things that we didn't get to talk about, um, that I know you have experienced that you can help other people with as well. Um, so, Oh, I have
1: a great idea. Okay. So why, (laughs) um, so why don't we do, if you want to, if you're open to this, we can have like, um, a divorce. Um, panel and we could do like call-ins and have um, people ask us questions and and we can uh, answer their questions in a way that would serve them in the greater
0: community. Yeah. I love that. I love that idea. Absolutely <laughs> absolutely. Awesome. okay we will we will look at that so stay tuned listeners. For that- <laughs> Exciting <laughs> event to happen! I love that so much. Sorry, I Thanks just threw that on you. <laughs> I know you come up with stuff really fast. By the way, your mind must work like like a ticker tape. <laughs> like super fast because you've, yeah. you know, even before we hit record, my listeners, she gave me some amazing little tidbits that I'm like, Oh, I couldn't write fast enough. Um, so we will definitely <laughs> have to do that panel. Um,
1: oh, but thank fun. you so, so
0: much for having, uh, no. for coming here and uh, being on here with me and for giving so much value to our listeners. I really appreciate Oh, I
1: think, it. yeah, I think what you're doing is, is amazing and it's such a good service and, um, that, um you know every opportunity that people can to take to like do something or listen to something like this for themselves is is uh, mm-hmm. is
0: great yes because you are worth it every single one of you out there absolutely thanks again and to my All listeners right. we shall chat again and bye for now bye Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, please subscribe or follow me so you don't miss a single episode. If you wanna go deeper in your healing, you can book a free discovery session with me and learn more about my unique strategy to unlock the real you through my Unearth, Uncover, and Unleash three-part system to discover and heal your past and present trauma and become empowered to live your best life go to my website lifelessons.ca or contact me directly at leah at to book your session you can also find me on social media my links are all on my podcast page and while you're there i would love it if you would leave a review good or bad i want to know how i can make this podcast just what you need it to be and if you love it i definitely want to hear that You can also leave a review on whatever platform you are listening on. Until next time, grab some joy wherever you can. Bye for now.